Welcome to Coping with Ghosting, the show that provides hope, healing, and understanding for anyone who has been ghosted. I'm your host, Greta, and today I have a special guest who co-conducted a multi-study examination of attachment and implicit theories in relationships in ghosting experiences. This work was published in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships in 2021. Dr. Darcy Powell is an associate professor of psychology at Roanoke College in Virginia. She earned her PhD in lifespan developmental psychology from West Virginia University. Dr. Powell's research predominantly focuses on transitions in close relationships, and a segment of that includes a focus on ghosting. Dr. Powell, I am honored to have you on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. So the name of the study you conducted in 2021 is called A Multi-Study Examination of Attachment and Implicit Theories of Relationships in Ghosting Experiences. What inspired you to do research around ghosting? I find the process of how people navigate getting into and out of those dating relationships, what we refer to as non-marital romantic relationships, fascinating. In 2019, we had published the first quantitative set of studies on ghosting, which focused on the link between individuals' implicit theories of relationships, the growth and destiny beliefs, and their perceptions, their intentions, and their behaviors related to ghosting. But we were also interested in other factors that might be associated with individuals' ghosting behaviors. Attachment is central to individuals' thoughts, emotions, and behaviors in relationships. So attachment was a logical variable to consider. Furthermore, prior research had found an association between attachment and individuals' reactions to relationship dissolutions. And so we wanted to explore whether that association held up when focused explicitly on this relationship dissolution strategy of ghosting. That is so fascinating. So you're You did this research with other people as well. So who were the other researchers involved in the study? So the first study in the paper was actually Haley Green's research project as an undergrad, where she was mentored by Dr. Kipling Williams at Purdue University. And then the other studies in the paper were a collaboration between myself, Dr. Gilly Friedman at St. Mary's College of Maryland, Dr. Kipling Williams at Purdue University, and Dr. Benjamin Lee at Haverford College. Wow. So it all began with an undergrad. Yeah, it's, we had been talking about ghosting projects and we had done the prior study and one of his students was really interested in looking um, at this. And so were we and we're like, let's do it. Let's do this big collaboration of studies. That is so fascinating. I would love for you to break down what this study was about because I took a look at it and it is 24, 26 pages. It's It's long. (laughs) It's really long and it's great. And it has tables and graphs. And for somebody who's not an academic, if you could just break it down into terms that they could really understand, um, that would be very helpful. So our study had two main aims. The first was to explore the association between individuals' attachment and then their prior experiences with ghosting as the initiator, which we sometimes refer to as the ghoster, and then as the recipient, which we sometimes refer to as being a ghostie. The second 
was to replicate our findings that we had previously published on about that association between ghosting and implicit theories of relationships. So specifically, we had found in that prior paper that individuals with stronger destiny beliefs were more likely to be a ghoster than those who had weaker destiny beliefs. Could you please break down what attachment styles are and and what are destiny beliefs as well? And how, how do these two things relate? Absolutely. So attachment is conceptualized as having two continuums, right? We have this model of self and model of other. The model of self is represented by attachment anxiety. That's what we refer to when we're talking about attachment anxiety. And it's individuals' beliefs regarding their worthiness of love. The second one is a model of other, which is represented by attachment avoidance. And that one relates to individuals' beliefs regarding whether or not others can be counted on to be there for them or not. So when we're measuring attachment, we might ask questions like, I worry my romantic partner won't care about me as much as I care about them. Or we ask, I turn to my partner for many things, including comfort and reassurance. And we ask to what extent they agree with those statements. Implicit theories of relationships are these internal beliefs about the extent to which an aspects of relationships are fixed or they're malleable. So individuals who possess higher destiny beliefs tend to believe that relationships either work out or they don't. That if you're with the right person, relationships should be easy. Individuals who possess higher growth beliefs tend to believe that relationships can grow over time and improve by overcoming challenges with your partner. So when we ask questions about implicit theories of relationships, we ask things like, to what extent do you believe that relationships that do not start off well will inevitably fail? Or to what extent are successful relationships require regular maintenance? So attachment and implicit theories of relationships are aspects of ourselves, right? They, and they have an aspect of them that are built on prior experiences as well, right? Our attachment forms from prior experiences, our implicit theories of relationships um, can be also broadened or altered from prior experiences as well. Who were the people surveyed and interviewed for this report and how many people um, participated? And can you tell me a little bit more about them? Yeah, let's break down the study by study. So study one was an exploratory study, sampled more than 150 college students, and it compared people who had been ghosted to those who hadn't and those who had ghosted someone to those who hadn't. About half the sample identified as men, half the sample identified as women, 60% were first-year college students, and about two-thirds of the sample identified as well. Study two was a pre-registered study. What that means is that we posted our planned hypotheses and our analyses prior to conducting the study, so we weren't just like exploring what might be associated. That sampled almost 250 U.S. adults and compared people who had been ghosted to those who hadn't and those who had ghosted to those who hadn't previously ghosted someone. Once again, about half the sample identified as men, the other half of the sample identified as women. Average age was 33. We did a purposeful sampling in this study where we had 50% of the sample identified as heterosexual and 50% of the sample identified as other sexual orientations. So we had about 24% gay, 24% lesbian, 3% is bisexual. About 40% of the sample was single and 74% of the sample identified as white. Study three also pre-registered, posted what we wanted to do ahead of time. This was the largest of the studies, more than 850 U.S. adults. Having this big sample, though, allowed us to compare people who had ever ghosted 
who had ever been ghosted to people who had done both and been on both sides of that, as well as people who had no prior experience with ghosting. And so once again, the sample identified half as men, half as women, about 75% identified as heterosexual, 42% as single, and 68% as white. We then did an internal meta-analysis, which just looked at what is the strength of our findings from study one, study two, and study three between attachment and ghosting. So tell me, tell me what the findings were and, and what do they imply? So I think there's three main takeaways. The first is that across the three studies, about 40 to 50% of each sample had no prior experience with ghosting. In study one, our college students were more likely to report that they had ghosted a partner than that they had been ghosted. Whereas in study two and three, they were more likely to report that they had been ghosted than that they had ghosted a partner. Second, we found that having higher attachment anxiety was associated with having been ghosted by a partner, right? So if you had higher attachment anxiety, more likely to have been ghosted, this positive correlation. Third, we found that having higher destiny beliefs was associated with having ghosted a romantic partner, right? So increase in destiny beliefs, more likely to have ghosted someone. When we think about the implications, though, I do want to say that first and foremost, it's important to recognize that people are more likely to share that they themselves have been ghosted than that they've ghosted someone. There's a Mm. negative perception to ghosting, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's it's not great. Um, And that can influence how people talk about what has happened to them versus what they themselves do. The other thing that I really, really want to emphasize is that these studies were cross-sectional and correlational. Listeners should not assume that just because they have been ghosted that they must have higher attachment anxiety. That's not what we did in this study. It's currently unclear the direction of that. So does being ghosted increase your attachment anxiety or does having uh, higher attachment anxiety increase the risk of ghosting? Future research needs to be done to evaluate that. We can't tell that from our current study. And same thing with the destiny beliefs and, and ghosting a partner. That being said, ghosting research is rapidly expanding. One of the things that research has demonstrated pretty consistently is ghosting is really, really common on dating apps. And dating apps have garnered a not so great reputation among individuals looking for relationships because of that. And so we have seen some dating apps are starting to look at the research that's coming out and think about what can they do to reduce ghosting. And so a few have started instituting like nudges in an effort to reduce people ghosting on their apps and try to lessen that likelihood of being ghosted on dating apps. Thank goodness they're actually taking responsibility for something like that. I mean, you know, there's only so much they can do, but I think that it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Given that other research has note has noted that things like ease and perceived seriousness of relationships play into the likelihood of ghosting, right? It's just that little nudge is like, hey, maybe we'll give you some canned messages of something to say, but like say something to the person. Um, I think is interesting. It'll be interesting to see where that goes too. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's amazing what you've done. And this is really valuable work. And I wonder how can people apply the observations that you've made, the research that you've done in the study to their own lives? You know, I think it's one of those things where we have to recognize that it is an occurrence in today's dating world 
because of the way that connections are so commonly made and the way in which we communicate with our romantic partners so often happens through technology that we recognize that this is something that might happen in situations. And we're not quite there yet on knowing what exactly we can do to make sure it doesn't happen, right? And it's not as though ghosting necessarily just occurred because of the way that we talk over uh, technology, but it's getting a lot more emphasis now uh, because that's such a core part of how people date now and how they dissolve those dating relationships now. So when I think about how to take what we've done, I think it's important to reflect on who we are as individuals and our own traits and things that might play into or at least be associated with the behaviors we engage in or the responses that we have in situations. But by no means does that mean that, you know, just because you have had destiny beliefs, you're, you're going to be a ghoster, a serial ghoster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or that you should be giving people the implicit theories of relationship scale to see if they might be a ghoster in the future, right? I'm not suggesting that at all. But I think it's one of those things where it hurts and We definitely have some research that we hope to come out very soon that focuses on how people talk about ghosting when they've been on both sides of it, right? So individuals who've been both a ghostie and a ghoster, and that particular study looked at the emotions they report feeling when the ghosting situation occurred and how they report feeling about it now. And so the similarities and differences in those negative emotions that are felt by both ghosties and ghosters. Mm -hmm. And so... Maybe I'll be back to talk about that uh, when that comes out as well. I have to admit that I've ghosted in the past and I did experience feelings of guilt and anxiety around it. And I think it's really important that you're doing this work to continue to research the emotions around ghosting from both the ghostie and the ghoster side. This is something that will help all of us have a deeper understanding of this very important topic. So kudos to you for taking the steps and making this a priority. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for me. Thank you on behalf of the listeners who just, you know, it's such a horrible thing to have happened to us. And this is just allowing us to create kind of a framework around it and get a deeper understanding of what's really going on, the psychology behind it. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we do acknowledge that often people are on both sides of that experience Mm -hmm. um, and have very negative emotions and sometimes positive, like mixed emotions Mm -hmm. in response to those situations. So yeah, we're really excited about our future research. Is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners in general? So I mentioned that study that we um, hopefully going to have published really soon. We have a couple other studies that are under review for publication as well. One of them is focused on individuals' perceived norms for ghosting, so how common they think it is and how they think others experience ghosting and whether there's an association between their, their perceived norms and their engagement in ghosting. And we also just wrapped up a study exploring how gender of the individual being rejected and motive for the rejection impacts whether or not ghosting is used compared to a more explicit rejection strategy, telling the person face-to-face or over the phone. And so we're finalizing the results of that study and hope to have it under review soon. As an initiative within my lab, after each study is published, I create an infographic to share on Twitter and LinkedIn 
that summarizes the findings and makes it easier for the general public to see what we're learning, right? It shouldn't be all behind a paywall um, where you have to have access to the research. That being said, if listeners ever hear about a study and they don't have access to it, you can always email the author. Most authors are very willing to share their research. Right? We're really excited when someone reaches out to us to tell us that you know they, they saw something or heard something about one of our studies and they'd like to know more. Oh, that's great. That leads me to my next question, which is how can listeners connect with you? So I'm on Twitter at dpow underscore PhD. So D-P-O-W-E-L-L underscore PhD. I'm also on LinkedIn um, under Darcy Powell and searchable that way as well. And so that's where I tend to post most of my research stuff or share other research findings that have been really interesting. Well, you are doing groundbreaking work in this field, and I'm deeply grateful for the research you've done. And thank you so much for taking the time to share it with me and the listeners. Thanks so much for having me. Best of luck in all of your future dating relationships. And listeners, I'm happy to announce that I'm starting a drop-in coping with ghosting support group for anyone who has been ghosted. The group is a safe space where you can openly share your experience, strength, and hope. Sessions are virtual, and you don't even have to turn on your camera. You can find all the info about the group at copingwithghosting.com and in the show notes from today's episode. I've also put more information about the research study discussed in the show in the notes as well. And finally, be sure to remember when you are ghosted, you have more time to connect with yourself and people who have stellar communication skills. You truly deserve the best.